Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. We often speak about the flooded forests of South America and elsewhere when discussing unique ecological niches in which terrestrial materials like botanicals, roots, branches, leaves, and soil play a role in shaping the aquatic ecosystem which arises following the inundation period. We've talked about that a lot, I know. There's something so compelling about this particular combination of materials. It's the essence of what our mission here at Tenon Aquatics is all about. The combining of terrestrial and aquatic elements and the influence which they have on the overall system. There's so much we can learn from studying these systems that we can apply in our hobby work. It's not even funny. To show you just how geeked out I am about this stuff, I've literally spent hours just pouring over pics and video screenshots of some of these agapo habitats over the years and literally counted the number of leaves versus other botanical items in the shots to sort of get a botanical leaf ratio that's common to these systems. I mean, although this, you know, different areas would obviously vary based on the, the picks, at least that I've looked at, it literally works out to about 70% leaves to 30% other botanical items. Yeah, that's how geeky I am. I literally will stare at frame shots of these things. The trees, or more specifically their parts, bring new life to the waters. We've talked about this before. Some are present when the waters begin rising. Others continue to arrive after the area is flooded, falling off forest trees or tumbling down the banks of the stream by wind or rain. They also, you know, terrestrial trees also play a role in removing, utilizing, and returning nutrients to the aquatic habitat. They remove some nutrient from submerged soils and return some in the form of leaf drop. Interestingly, studies show that like 70% of the leaf drop of surrounding trees in the agapo habitats occurs when the area is already submerged, but the bulk of that is shedded at the end of the inundation period, which is interesting. The falling leaves gradually decompose and become part of the detritus in the food web, which is essential for many species of fishes. This late inundation leaf drop also sets things up for the next round, providing a starter set of nutrients, doesn't it? The materials that comprise the tree are known in ecology as allophonous material, something that is imported into an ecosystem from outside of it. Extra points if you can pronounce this word on the first try, it's a little tricky. We've talked about this before, but in the case of, you know, in the case of trees, this also includes leaves, fruit, seed pods, and stuff that falls and are, or are washed into the water along with the branches and the trunks that topple into the stream. You know, the stuff we obsess over around here. Many of these materials begin to break down during the time that they're submerged, and they're known generically to ecologists as coarse particulate organic matter. Or in, in, in the water of these inundated forest floors, of course, there is a lot of CPOM, and the community of aquatic organisms, which are typically, you know, insects and crustaceans, has a high proportion of what are known as shredders, which feed on this CPOM and break it up into tinier bits called, wait for it, fine particulate organic matter. Now, some of these shredders and their larvae are a direct source of food for fishes, providing a nutritious food source for growing populations in these waters. Another reason why these habitats are so abundant in fish species. And of course, some fishes directly consume fallen fruits and seeds themselves as part of their diet as well, aiding in the refinement of this coarse particular organic matter. Think about that big ugly paku, for example, which has a specialized mouth part that's suited to crushing hard-shelled fruits and seeds. The fish consumes the fruits and literally shits out the seeds, helping distribute them throughout the forest. So a fish helps perpetuate a tree, you know, feed a paku, plant a forest or whatever. But yeah, that's what happens. Other organisms, of course, make use of the fine particulate matter by filtering it from the water or accessing it in the sediments that result. 
The Alicthonus materials support a diverse food chain that's almost entirely based on our old friend, detritus. Yep, detritus. The sworn enemy of the traditional aquarium hobby, misunderstood bearer of life to the aquatic habitat. Yeah, the detritus forms not only part of the food chain in these systems, a very important part in the diet of many of our beloved fishes, it's a literal physical structure that provides an area for fishes to forage, hide, and in some instances, spawn among. So it's a combination of elements, terrestrial and aquatic, all working together. Many other fishes which reside in these flooded forest floor areas feed mainly on insects, specifically small ones like beetles, spiders, and ants from the forest canopy. The insects are likely dislodged from the overhanging trees by wind or rain, or maybe they're clumsy, and the opportunistic fishes are always ready for a quick meal. Interestingly, it's been postulated that the reason the Amazon has so many small fishes is that they've evolved as a response to the opportunities to feed on small insects served up by the flooded forest floors in which they reside. Makes sense, right? The little guys do a better job of eating the small insects which fall in the water than the larger, clumsier guys who are more adapted to snapping up nuts and fruits with those big old gnarly mouths. Makes sense. And yes, some species of fish specialize in detritus. In fact, if you read uh, some of these uh, fish descriptions on like fish base and places like that, you'll see that organic detritus, sort of a generic catch-all, is often mentioned in the diets of many, many fishes. And as we've discussed more times than you likely care to remember around here, decomposing leaves are the basis of the food chain, and they produce forms, uh, a, a, a material that is an extremely important part of the food chain for many, many species of fishes. Some have even adapted morphologically to feed on detritus produced you know, in these habitats by developing bristle-like teeth to remove it from branches, tree trunks, plant stems, and of course, leaf litter beds. It's not just the fishes which derive benefits from these terrestrial materials which find their way into the water. Bacteria, fungi, and algae also act upon the nutrients released in the water by decomposing organic material from these plants. Plants, known collectively in science as macrophytes, grow in or near water and are either emergent, submergent, or floating and play a role in filtering these flooded habitats in nature. Many, like you know, grasses, have adapted to survive underwater for extended periods of time. This sort of adds to the diversity of materials, both living and dead, in these compelling habitats. It's a most interesting combination of elements, indeed. A most compelling model. A most fascinating example of a functionally aesthetic environment that you can duplicate in your home aquarium. Think about the environment, its external influences, the conditions, and the life forms that make use of it the next time you're conjuring up ideas for a new tank. It might just help you create one of the most amazing aquariums you've ever built. Stay studious. Stay inspired. Stay curious, stay excited, stay diligent, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Bellman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tannin.